Some things never change. I always forget to unmute my own mic. Join me in prayer this morning for our community and our world. Lord, we um, are here this morning with heavy hearts, and we're here this morning with joyful hearts, and we're here this morning with all kinds of emotions in between. We lift up this morning Caitlin Blodgett and Jeff Lewis, who was hospitalized this morning. We pray for Lynn Lopresto and for Leslie Templeton. And we pray for people all around our community and world who are suffering with mental health issues. We pray for B. Siddons and we pray for those uh, who are alone today. For Barb Peterson and her husband who have COVID-19. For Jose G. For folks who are unemployed and really struggling financially this time of the year. We pray for Levi and Janice and caregivers who are giving of themselves so much, Lord. An example of your love for us. But we pray for their health and for their well-being as well. We pray that Kara would find a new job. And in this type of weather and the cold nights that we're having, Lord, we're very aware of the homes that we live in and the walls that surround us. And we're also aware of those who are less fortunate and don't have those things. God, inspire us to be uh, hope to the hopeless. And inspire us to find ways to bring joy to those who are grieving. And inspire us, Lord, to be the type of people who make this world more like your kingdom every single day. And when we fail... Help us remember that you are the God of perfection and you take our best efforts and you perfect them and that's enough. It's all of these, for all of these people and all of these things, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. This is the second week of Advent and I am really excited because the passage uh, that I'm going to be preaching from this morning I feel like is one of the best passages in the Bible. It's really inspiring to me, and it really kind of gets my imagination going. It's a, a passage about Mary and her cousin Elizabeth. And I'm going to be reading to you from the book of Luke, chapter 1 this morning. And what's going on in the lead-up to this passage is that Mary has found out that she is pregnant. And um, Joseph has decided that he is going to take Mary as his wife, even though she is pregnant and the child is not his. And there's this miraculous thing going on. And Mary goes to see her cousin Elizabeth, who also is in the midst of a miraculous pregnancy because she is way beyond childbearing years and has become pregnant with John the Baptist. So if you didn't know this, John the Baptist and Jesus are cousins. They probably knew each other growing up and and we're around each other, and who, I mean, I, I can only imagine what two kids like them got into and learning about their, their powers of prophecy and the things that they could do. But Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. And we're told that when Mary approaches Elizabeth, the child within Elizabeth's womb leapt for joy. And then Mary says this, With all my heart, I glorify the Lord. 
In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God my Savior. He has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Look, from now on, everyone will consider me highly favored because the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. He shows mercy to everyone from one generation to the next who honors him as God. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy just as he promised to our ancestors, to Abraham and to Abraham's descendants forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. May God give us wisdom and courage for interpretation, and may God give us wisdom and courage to apply the truth of Scripture to our lives. Amen. It's no small thing to be raised by a mother. I mean, if you think about the people in your lives, some of us were fortunate to have really good moms, and some of us were not as fortunate to have moms around at all, or even if we did, maybe they weren't great mothers. But Jesus and us are oftentimes a genuine, deep reflection of the people who raised us. Sometimes our reflection is in response, right? Like our parents didn't do a good job. Maybe we grew up in abusive homes. Maybe we Maybe we didn't have parents around. Maybe they were so focused on their work that they were kind of absentee. Maybe they were really good parents who were involved in our lives and knew our friends and taught us about things and told us stories. And I think that that's how Mary's parents were. I think Mary knew all of the stories of the ancient prophets. And I think she knew all of the stories of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And I think she knew the stories of the prophetesses of old. And I think when she recognized the Spirit of God had come upon her in the way that it did, filling her with new life in a literal way, I think that she was reminded of all of these stories that she had heard. And I think that when she went to see Elizabeth, she was going not just to be with somebody else who was pregnant and to be pregnant together. I think she was going because she knew that Elizabeth and her husband Zechariah were people who were extremely devout and who loved the stories of old and loved God deeply. And she wanted to be around them in this time of strangeness that she was existing in. And as she approached Elizabeth, I think the spirit of prophecy overcame her and she spoke And sang out this amazing song. I like to picture her and Elizabeth hugging one another, greeting one another, and turning and walking out into the street. And she couldn't hold it in. And it's a beautiful piece of poetry in and of itself. And I'm afraid that sometimes, at least for me, the beauty of the poetry causes me to miss the fact that this is a rebel song. 
This is a fist-in-the-air rebel song. Mary is walking in the footsteps that were trod, the path that was beaten down before her, and she is holding firm to the fact that God is a revolutionary God, that when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we're not going to be okay with the status quo. That we're not going to settle for racism, and we're not going to settle for bigotry, and we're not going to settle for heterosexism, We're going to stand firm in the presence of God knowing that the path has been beat down before us and we're not walking alone. We're walking on the shoulders of great people before us. Make no mistake. Mary's song, or the Magnificat, as it is often called, is a rebel song. I want you to notice a few things in her song. First of all, As you read through this thing one more time, or two more times, or 40 more times this week, think about Jesus. Because the song that she's singing talks about the way that Jesus lived his life. He was a reflection of the people who raised him, just as we are. She says, with all my heart, I glorify the Lord. In the depths of who I am, I rejoice in God who is my Savior. God has looked with favor on the low status of his servant. Notice that it's not just upon her that God looked, but it was upon her low status that God looked with favor. There's an idea in liberation theology that says God has a preferential option for the poor. That those who are poor and struggling in this world, that God has a preference for them. And it's backed up theologically and biblically when you look through the history of Scripture at the people in Scripture and how the poor are oftentimes, if not all the time, those who were raised up. Even King David was a mere shepherd, a boy, who God raised up. The prophets were never coming from places of power. They were coming from places of low esteem, low, low places. God looks upon the low status of Mary, and God decides to bless her. And she is so courageous that she says yes to this blessing knowing that oftentimes the gifts of God and the gifts of prophecy are not looked upon with favor by our friends and neighbors. Think about Jesus. One of the first times we hear of Jesus preaching, he walks into a synagogue, likely his own church that he grew up in, his own synagogue that he grew up in. They all knew him. It was in his hometown He goes in and he preaches a rebel sermon. And they take him out and try to throw him off of a cliff. And he says a prophet is never welcome in their hometown. He learned that from Mary. He learned that from his mom. Then she goes on and she says, God shows mercy to everyone. Does Jesus 
show mercy to everyone. Of course, all throughout Scripture, even the enemies of Jesus, he shows mercy to, to the point of when he's dying on the cross, he says, Father, have mercy on them. Forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Jesus understands who God is, because Jesus is part of the Trinity, for one thing, but also the human side of Jesus was taught by his mother, the people of God show mercy to everyone, even those we don't agree with, even those who are trying to do harm to us, we show mercy upon them. He has shown strength with his arms and has scattered those with arrogant thoughts and proud inclinations. He has pulled the powerful down from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. No wonder that Herod wanted Jesus killed. This revolution of love that Jesus started, the revolution that revolutionized revolutions, was a threat to people like Herod, who were consistently trying to hold on to their power to the point of even murdering their own children. Now, I don't think we have people in power in our nation or in most nations today who are trying that hard to hold on to power that they would murder their own children. But we do, as human beings, have a lust for power. And what Jesus shows through his life and what Mary sings about in this song and what all the prophets taught about before is that what God wants to do is not destroy those who are powerful, but bring them down and at the same time raise up those who are lowly and level the playing field. It's not a reversing of the order. It's not taking the top and flipping it to the bottom. It's not reversing the pyramid. It's leveling it all out. I was told one time, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but I like the story, so I'm going to tell it anyway, that the reason... The Apache nation was the last of the nations to be conquered by European settlers is because they had a leadership structure that was flat. That they listened to one another, that their leaders, Geronimo, for example, listened to the people that were around him and heard what they were saying and they strategized together and it made them that much more difficult to conquer. The playing field was leveled. Now, we're not trying to hold on to anything with violence, but we are part of this revolution that is revolutionizing revolutions. We are part of this history. We are calling ourselves followers of Jesus because we believe in the way of Jesus to change the world. And thank God for Jesus' parents and grandparents and great-grandparents, that they taught him the stories. That's why it is so important for us as parents, and as grandparents, and as aunts and uncles, and as friends of people who have children, and as friends of children, that we tell them the stories. That they understand who we are and from whence we come. So that they can go on in power. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed because they have what they need. It's something to see the first and third Tuesdays of the month to come to this building 
and see people who have more than enough giving away lots and lots of food. It's something to see when the line is so long that people are waiting in line for an hour or two hours to get their food that they park at the upper parking lot and walk down with their masks on and say, is there something I can do to help? The playing field is becoming more and more level. I'm telling you, I believe with every fiber of my being that the kingdom of God is breaking in. We are people of Advent. We are waiting and hoping and watching, but we don't wait in a passive way. We wait the way that I've seen pregnant women wait when it gets to be six weeks before or eight weeks before their babies are born or, or moms who are waiting to adopt a child when it gets close to the time to go pick up their baby. It's ridiculous the stuff that happens in houses. They call it nesting. And it is not passive waiting. It is active waiting. That is us. We are actively waiting. So we watch And when we see an inbreaking of the kingdom, we jump in. We want to be part of that light. And when we see darkness, we jump in because we want to shine light in the darkness. Because we need and we have courage like Mary. That doesn't come from ourselves. It comes from the Spirit of God. That's why every Sunday after I read the scriptures, I say, give us wisdom and courage. Because what Mary did, and what her ancestors did, and what our ancestors did, and what we are called to do is not easy. It takes courage. May you find that courage this Advent. May you be inspired by Jesus' mother, Mary, to be empowered and to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you can give new birth to old things, so that you can shine light in the darkness, so that you can bless other people and be blessed in the process. In the name of our Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer. Amen.